Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hey, party people, it's Jaime. Producing our podcast, Confessions of a Creative Director, is one of the most rewarding and fulfilling projects of my life. I can't believe I get to meet and talk to some of the most successful and influential creative directors from around the world. I'm thrilled by all the support and encouragement I receive from listeners everywhere. Now, as a fan of the show, I invite you to join my Patreon and become a supporter of the show. You'll help me cover the editing, hosting services, and maybe the occasional tequila soda for yours truly. If you've derived real-world value from my conversations with the world's best creatives, this is your way to help keep it going. Visit my Patreon and sign up to become a supporter today. You'll get access to additional content from the show and maybe even a few surprises. I'm looking forward to many more episodes, and I hope you'll come along for the ride with me. Visit patreon.com backslash confessions of a creative director to become a supporter today. That's patreon.com backslash confessions of a creative director. Thanks. This episode is brought to you by What's the Big Idea? An indispensable guide to becoming a kick-ass creative director. By yours truly, Jaime Cabrera. Pick it up on Amazon and now available on Audible. Everybody, welcome back to the podcast Confessions of a Creative Director, the original podcast made by a creative director for creative directors, for aspiring creative directors, for creatives of all types looking to up their game by learning from the world's best. This is your podcast, and I am your host, Jaime Cabrera. On today's show, creative director Roberto Lastra shares his inspirational origin story. As a kid from Mexicali, Baja California, Mexico, who immigrated to the U.S. during his teens, pushing through culture shock and language barriers, he went on to work for five of the most famous agencies in the world before founding his own agency, Lovers Not Haters. Along the way, he learned that the less you try to fit in, the more you do. And he's passionate about this idea of bringing your whole self to work. So, without further ado, let's get into it with Roberto Lastra. Bienvenido. How are you, my friend? Thank you for having me, man. I'm pretty. I'm doing pretty good. Um, probably better than yourself. Uh, I heard you <laughs> run a or something. I had a yeah, yeah. I did that, and it's been a it's been a uh, it's been a, a rough morning. So I'm actually I should have told you about this, but I'm actually having a little. A little tequilita uh, to take the edge off at at ten thirty on a Friday, <laughs> but sometimes nice. you gotta you gotta do it. It is Friday. Yeah, it's nice. Uh, it's nice to see you, man. It's nice to to see you again. We had a we had a a great conversation previously, and just to kind of give the the audience sort of a, a backstory here, uh, I, I saw a post that uh, Roberto put up on on LinkedIn and. It really just just struck a chord with me, and I and I was like, I gotta reach out to him. I gotta know this person, 
And so just real quick, I wanted to kind of level set here and give the audience sort of a an idea of what that post was. But it says, uh, I'm brown, indigenous, also a dad, husband, beer drinker, not just Mexican imports. I know about $6 wine and $79 wine. I listen to Brazilian music and country music, Garth Brooks. I grew up in Texas. I played pretty much every sport in high school. I own three Letterman jackets. I'm the son of a church minister. I once bought a motorcycle helmet for 12,000, 1,200 euros in Paris, and I've never owned a motorcycle. I have an ugly tattoo of a soccer ball and two soccer shoes on my back. I wear Fucking Fabulous by Tom Ford. I like expensive designer sneakers and cars, probably because I grew up poor. I'm so many things that, my, for, that form my identity, and I want to bring all of it to work. And I think that just really struck a chord with me because, you know, uh, I'm, you know, I'm Mexican-American. We share that. But just this idea of we're so much more complex. We're so much more than what may be on, on the surface. And it just struck a chord with me. And I'm like, I got to reach out to him to talk more about this, to uh, just kind of get a sense of who this person is. As I dug deeper, uh, you know, into your profile, I'm like, this guy is so accomplished You've worked, and we're going to talk about this, but you've worked for five of the top agencies in the world. Uh, you've started your own agency called uh, Lovers Not Haters. So much to unpack here, but just wanted to kind of level set with the audience and let them know what you know first drew me to you. So thank you for posting that, by the way. It, it, it really has given me a lot to think about. No, thank you, man. Uh, thank you um, for your kind words. And and. Honestly, you know, I think of a lot of us, you know, especially when we come from, you know, uh, backgrounds like yours and, and mine, we've been forced, you know, a lot of times to to choose right between one side or the other. When in reality, we're a combination of both. And uh, what's funny is that our industry is kind of designed like that. So we can get more into that. But, you know, you it's pretty fragmented, too, you know, so you have the two sides. And so that's why I have a job nowadays, because. I've been in the middle of both and I'm trying to bring it all together like, you know, like it should be. Yeah. And and I think, you know, obviously you're doing a great job. You've got your agency, but give us sort of an overview of how you got to this point, how you ended up working for these these top five agencies. Give us a little sense of your history and your background and and a quick tour of duty of all the agencies that you've that you've worked at. Awesome. So so. I was born in Mexico, uh, Jaime, in, uh, in a city called Mexicali or Mexicali, Mex for Mexico, Cali for California, and it nice. borders Calexico, like the, like the band. And uh, it's not a very pretty city. Uh, it's an industrial city with lots of factories. It's 126 Fahrenheit, and, and uh, they call it the city of the cold eggs or huevos because uh, it's so hot <laughs> with, a, with a Tecate beer in between their hands. Um, so that's what it is. There's nothing much more to, to it. We consume the most beer in the country. We have the most Chinese restaurants. Um, I, love those also, I love both of those things, by the way, because I love, I love uh, Chinese food is one of my favorite. And I love, I love Tecate. So, yeah, that's cool. Awesome. Um, yes. And uh, I came to the U.S. Uh, and, and I know you're familiar with Texas. I, I moved to, to the Valley, to McAllen in South Texas. When I was 15 uh, and went straight into ESL, man, they put me in the in the portables outside the the brick building of, of the you know junior high, and uh, that's where you know it hit me. I'm like, hey, I'm about to embark on a journey of acculturation and adaptation to a new country that's gonna be uh, fun, tough. 
Yeah. And so if I remember correctly, correctly, you use a lot of pop culture, uh, you know, or learning English from boys to men, uh, you know, doing different things from the from the, the pop culture at the time that probably informed your worldview. But it was in an effort to kind of learn English. Right. Tell us a little bit about that. Imagine, imagine being a teenager and, and uh, you know, you have your jokes, you're trying, you're starting to develop your personality, trying to talk to girls and all of a sudden you can't. And uh, it's very tough and it's a, it's a good uh, uh, motivation to, to learn the language fast. So I was reading right. a lot. I was, you know, I was listening to boys to men. Imagine, you know, 14 year old, 15 year old Roberto with pimples and singing with a very thick accent, how do I, you know? Um, and, um, but yeah, man, I had to get it done because I, you know, I wanted to be, fit in, I guess. I wanted to adapt. So um, it was tough for a little bit, but thanks, boys to men. <laughs> All right. So then, so obviously that was your, you know, kind of your upbringing and your, your transition into the, the States and all that. And then how did this, you know, A, how did the interest in this particular line of work and then how did you, you know, manage to end up working at these amazing shops come to be? Tell us that. So I kind of wasted my time in college, uh, you know, drinking and, and playing soccer. And the last semester of school, I, uh, I took an elective class because my girlfriend was in it and I needed more credits to graduate to catch up. And uh, I took a, an advertising class. It was taught by this guy named Federico Traeger, who was a, a creative director or ECD at uh, Bromley in San Antonio. It was the first Hispanic agency um, in the country. And so he invited me to do a, an internship there. And he told me, you're going to be a great art director, Berto. You're very visual, all this stuff. Obviously, I, you know, it was my second language, so that made sense. And then he told me about the ad school and the Miami ad school. So I was like, this is what I'm going to do. I discovered it late, but this is my, this is my calling. And so I had a little break where I went to try and play pro soccer, um, but I always had in the back of my mind, I'm going to go to the Miami ad school. And so that's where I ended up. And um, uh, after I graduated the ad school, I went to La Comunidad. Do you remember um, the community? It's now called yeah. La Community. Jose Moya, the founder who used to be a CD at a, at uh, Wyden, Kennedy Portland, did a lot of great Nike work, was the, the founder of La Comunidad. And uh, he was my teacher and invited me to, <clears throat> to start there. It wasn't really a job. It was more of a test um, to, you know, try me out for a couple of months. But I always had this like chip on my shoulder about like Hispanic agencies. And I wanted something else, Jaime. And I, I have to say that I'm very grateful for that opportunity and you know, if I was going to be at a Hispanic agency, that was the best place to be. But I wanted to be somewhere else and prove myself that I belong, you know, on the other side, I guess. And so good be called uh, two months into uh, me being at La Comunidad. And I, I just got like goosebumps right now because yeah. I'm remembering, man, that, that call. And uh, I was very excited. It was one of the two top shops back then, um, along with Crispin Porter Bugalski. And um, they called me. I got excited. They said, like, we want to fly you out here. And then radio silent for a couple of weeks. And you know how that feels, right? Mm -hmm. When you're like um, waiting for opportunities like this. So um, in that meantime, when Goodby wouldn't call, I got, a, I got an offer from, from an, an, another agency, a Hispanic agency that had the Heineken account in New York. And they were a lot faster than Goodby. 
and they offered <laughs> me you know 10k more and i had to eat man and i was like if they don't call me in two weeks i'm gonna lose a lot of weight and i'm gonna lose the good job and i'm gonna go to new york so i finally decided i'm gonna take the new york job um and i um i thought of what my parents would have done and i sent flowers to Linda Harless, the recruiter at Goodby, just saying, thanks. You know, I know it's not happening. I'm going to take this other job, but I just wanted to say I'm very grateful just for being considered. And uh, she called me the next day and said, uh, you're going to think it was the flowers, but I finally got uh, Jamie Barrett to, you know, um, pick up a call from me. He was, he's in a shoot and we're flying you out. So um, I went to Goodby. That was my first uh, real job. It was stacked with talent. A lot of people to learn from, to copy, and um, yeah, that was my first real job. Um, and let me know if I'm talking too much, or you want me to continue with my journey. No. Weird. <laughs> no, no, no. I love this because I think it all it all comes, you know, it all comes around. But yeah, no, continue, please. Yeah, and so I was a, I was a goodie for a couple of years, and then um, um, I went to New York to freelance Chicago before then. Uh, I discovered the world of freelance and, and I really liked it. Um, and I was in New York for a year and a half and then flew to Crispin to Boulder for an, for an, for a, for an interview and also to Fallon, Minneapolis, uh, where my ex boss at Goodby was the ECD. Um, and everyone thought I was going to go to Crispin, but I ended up uh, at Fallon, Minneapolis with my boss, uh, doing 50% of the work probably that year and uh, gaining 30 pounds because that's what you do uh, there, drink, uh, think of ideas. <laughs> eat pizza. And, yeah. Yeah. Eat pizza. And, um, and I was there for, you know, another year and a half, went back to New York, uh, freelanced, um, declined a job as an ECD at a multicultural agency. Again, that, you know, that chip on my shoulder, I wasn't ready for it. And right. I took a job. Crispin Porter for, you know, getting paid three less times, but knowing that this was investment, an investment right. in my career, knowing that I was going to do great work and that, you know, the money and the opportunities would come uh, later because I was picking the right, the right places. Um, then the last job I ever took was at uh, Chai Day LA. Um, they offered me my dream job as a global creative, uh, uh, global creative director on Gatorade. Uh, it was a couple of years before that 2014, uh, World Cup in Brazil, Mexico drinks the, the, the most uh, Gatorade too after the US. And so, you know, they were going to globalize the brand through soccer. And so I went and I quit a, a week later because it was a mess and it was political. And I was like, I don't want this. This is not who I am. I'm going back to New York. And so that's, I never took a full-time job again. Wow. That's amazing. I mean, how inspiring for anybody who is like you and I, right, that, that uh, came from uh, humble beginnings to hear this amazing story, right? And, and as you were saying, the goosebumps thing, I was getting goosebumps and I wasn't even the one waiting for, for those calls. I mean, how inspirational that, you know, that uh, you've been able to do all those things. So anybody listening that identifies uh, with you, you know, it, it, is, it is possible, right? Si se puede kind of thing. And, you know, another thing that, that, that I saw you talk about that also caught my eye, and I'm like, we got to focus, we got to break this down a little bit more, is this idea of the less you try to fit in, the more you do, 
right? Which is kind of counterintuitive, right? I think you probably had a little bit of this as you were as you were coming up. You you kind of think like, well, I gotta I gotta kind of modify who I am to sort of fit this new world that I'm in. But to your point of view, it's the opposite, right? The more that you bring your whole self to an experience, the more you're actually going to fit in, if I understand your thinking. But let, let's break that down, if, if you don't mind, because I think it's important to hear. It's important you know, for me to hear, because I know that certainly coming up, there's been times where you know, it's this kind of idea of code switching, right? It's like, who, who am I? Who am I, right? Mm-hmm. I got to, I got to, I got to shift my, uh, you know, who I am a little bit, you know, or, or maybe I need to go full, full one way or the other, right? And it, and it can kind of mess with your head a little bit. So, uh, why don't you help break this down for us? Yeah, for sure. And I, and I know, you know, we have to be honest here and, and, you know, and, and admit that it sounds really good to say the, last, the less you try to fit in, the more you do and just come here and give the advice. Be yourself, embrace who you are. But I think, you know, that's the culmination of a, of a long journey and a long search for, for someone's identity, right? We've all, we all, we've all gone through a lot of things in, 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 in that search, right, for, for who we are. So, I mean, we, we didn't all come here from another country or had to adapt to, to a new culture, but we've all tried to, you know, find our place in the school cafeteria. Uh, and I say that because it's like a high school movie going through my head right now, right? Like, where do I belong, <laughs> right? Um, with these guys here, or with these guys here. So, yeah, I mean, I think it's, it, it means be you. I'm in the simplest way, but again, behind that, you have to try to be a lot of things right? So that you can come to that conclusion. That's not what I am. That's not who I am. And a little by little, get to that place where you are 100% sure of who you are and you embrace, you know, your identity and all the dimensions um, that, that, you know, that make this identity, uh, if that makes any sense. So um, yeah, it's about being you. It's about being happy with who you are. I'm at that point in my life where, you know, I, I, I like who I am, but I didn't like myself for a lot of, you know, for a long time. And this happens to me in life and in, in the industry. Like I went to Crispin and I, I was trying to be like Crispin, right? I, had, I, I wasn't thinking like, let me bring my voice. Let me bring who I am to this. I'm just trying to come up with press releases here. And if I went to Widen, I was trying to write their manifestos like they did, but I was trying, I was not bringing any of me to the work. And so um, the less you try to fit in, uh, the more you do. It's just like, as soon as you embrace who you are and you start loving the things that make you, you, it's when, when you become that powerful person that can tell um, better stories, you know, and be better at your job. Can you remember any specific moments where you, where you were having that type of mental battle of, of like, you know, who, who should I be right now? Or what am I, you know, can you recall any of that or any sort of good examples um, of that, many, those types many. of experiences? So many, because my, you know, my whole, my whole life uh, has been about that. Right. Um, but a very simple one, when I graduated from, from the Miami ad school, I put a, I took a picture of myself with the, with the luchador mask. Uh, for my cover. Remember, it was one of the books where all print ads and, and we went to Kinko's and spent, 
you know, all, all night there trying to print them and spending all our money. We didn't care if we were going to eat the next day because this was our book, Matt, the most expensive. <laughs> and uh, I took a picture of myself with the Huracan Ramirez mask, a, a famous uh, a Mexican luchador. And in, you know, some tight, the tight pants that I borrowed from my girlfriend at the time. And I post, I put the picture. And when I showed the work to the, to Pipa Cyprist actually, and, um, was the Ron Cyprus wife, the, the founders of the ad school. She's like, if you, uh, put that cover, people are gonna think that you want to work in a Hispanic agency. Now, I don't know if this is right or wrong, but I was like, okay, well, that's kind of who I am, but that's not kind of what I want. And then the work mm. inside the book didn't reflect, you know, what was outside also. So I was in the middle of both, right? Like trying to embrace some of the things that I was, but I also wanted to be something else. So um, I can give you so a- what did you, what did you do? What did you do? Did you change one I, or the other? Did you change the work or did you change the cover or what? What did you decide to do, if you remember? Yeah, the work was was good. And I, you know, one student, you know, uh, awards and all these things. And, and But nothing in my work had, had, you know, there were those like smart Brazilian looking visual ads that, you know, oh, wow, juxtapositions, right? Um, and so I was clever, but again, I wasn't bringing myself into the work. So there was nothing about my identity inside that book. And the outside was, you know, a little bit of, you know, me, my culture, my origins. So I left the work. I think I changed the, the cover. Um, and uh, yeah, I put it, I put that part of me aside for, for a long while, you know, and I went and pretended to, to or try to be, you know, uh, like the place where I was at, whether it was an industry or a city or, you know, a relationship is tough. Right. What's, what's one experience? Tell me one. I mean, I think mine uh, are probably, you know, not as, uh, maybe not as, as dramatic as that, but, you know, having to, I've never, I've never, you know, I've never changed my name, right? I've never said uh, I'm Jamie or anything like that. But if I'm being honest, right, I'm Jaime, you know, I'm not, Hi I'm not Jaime. I'm not, I don't go by Cabrera, I go by Cabrera, right? So I think those little subtle things, you know, have been kind of where, 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 I, where I am, you know, where it's just those little subtle things, um, you know, probably didn't mention as much about, you know, where I grew up or, or where I'm from as opposed to, oh, I went to the University of Texas, right? Maybe not yeah. so much. I grew up in El Paso, right? And I went to the high school where the Night Stalker, you know, graduated from, yeah. or, you know, we certainly were not, we're not poor, but you know, it's, you know, I don't, I don't necessarily focus on all that kind of stuff. Um, yeah. So I think yeah. probably there were a little bit less, but, but nonetheless, still kind of, you know, interesting, or I've had, you know, pe people tell me, you know, former bosses and stuff. It's like, oh, it's a, it's the, you know, gotta, gotta, you gotta keep the Latino passion in check, right? You get, you get, you're getting too fired up, you know, stuff like that and going like, you know, taking that to heart and going, man, maybe, maybe that's true. Like little things like that, you know, I don't know if you call them not microaggressions, but little micro things that you're like, you know, where, where am I? You know, even, even that the whole code switching thing, like, 
uh, at the beginning of the of this call, right? I like was able to switch into the into the the more hardcore Spanish, right? Uh, you know, so it's it's kind of it's kind of that stuff. But you know what struck me about your your story um, as I think about it, and not to uh, this is a creative in us, right? But just how fascinating that it was a cover. It was a picture of you in a mask, right? It was a picture of you in a mask, and what is you know. There's a story there, right? It's like you were trying to be, uh, you were trying to be yourself, but you were still wearing a mask in a way, right? It's like it's very, um, uh, yeah, very, cool. I never very interesting. Like that. I'm gonna have to look into that uh, because, yeah, that's interesting. Like, you know, I I didn't completely know, you know, who I was, but then I was trying to be, you know, something else, and I, I was just all over the place in trying to find you know, m you know, my, my true identity, but definitely the mass thing is like, you know, it, it's a big metaphor, you know? Um, yeah, there is a, there, there, there's a metaphor. Yeah. It's interesting. And, you know, when you think yeah. about, you know, when you're telling that story and, and, and the woman from the ad school that, that kind of pointed that out, right. In a way, in a way you want to think of her as like, well, she's, you know, She's part of the problem, right? She was she was telling me, but in a way, you know, you can also look at it, and, th and I think this is what makes these conversations so difficult, right? Is that they're very complex and very nuanced. So you could t you could you could take it at that level, right? That she was like, I'm tr she's trying to change who I am. On the flip side, you could say she was trying to help you get a job, and and the only way that you can actually affect any kind of change in any kind of system is to actually get into the system, right? So it, it's yes. complex, right? Because you want to be able to, you want to sort of like vilify this person, like, oh man, she was she was part of the problem. She's trying to make me change, right? Oh, and but, let me, let me uh, stop you there because um, it's more the other thing. It's more, they were trying to help me. These are some of the people that helped me the most. And right. her husband, Ron Seichrist, who is the inventor of the, of the concept of portfolio schools, he, you know, he loved me a lot and we had soccer in common and he helped me a lot and she did too. So yeah. there was never uh, uh, the wrong intention in, in that comment. She was trying to get me the best opportunities possible. And she was just simply saying the right. work that you do, it's not specific to that market. Your work is good, period. You belong in the place where you want to be. And, you know, you don't, you don't, you, you, you don't have to. Put that on your cover you can but you don't have to right so right. your work speaks uh, for itself so no it was it was totally a positive thing opposite. i have to say that yeah i no, maintain a right. good relationship with them. no no that, and that's that's great and i you know i was just kind of trying to illustrate how how complex the issue could be right because you could have very easily taken it that way or somebody listening to the story could have taken it that that way so just to kind of you know illustrate that point that there's so much nuance and and you know uh complexity um, totally i think a lot of that when when we're like in, in you know in between you know these two cultures these two sides um in the industry as well there's a lot of that like you can it can get very sensitive right because like oh jaime cabrera okay well let's put him on this part of the assignment right they don't even know if you speak Spanish or not. They don't even know, you know, if you were born in Germany on a military base and you just came, you know, here two years ago and you worked at, you know, Jung Bon Mat. They don't know. They're just making assumptions by your name and your last name and the way you look, right? And so there's a lot of that. 
which means you can also be like sensitive to those things. And um, yeah, it gets tricky, but it's, uh, you know, it's, uh, it's a, a good battle to, to face. <laughs> no, absolutely. And that kind of touches a little bit on, on something that we, that we talked about in our, in our previous conversations, right? And it's probably a topic for a whole other conversation, but that kind of like not knowing, right? Sometimes it starts to form a, a little a little chip on your shoulder, right? Where you're trying to, you know, prove prove something one way or the other. So I mean, it it definitely um, has some effects, some kind of like you know, mental mental effects. But um, yep. so then, so tell me, you know, when do you think that you felt? like you like you understood it like when do you think that you finally cracked the code and you went like i don't have to do any of this these other things except sort of be who i am when when do you think that that happened and was there any kind of you know story that that brought that about honestly i i think it you know it has nothing to do with advertising and more of a uh a personal fulfillment uh you know, issue, you know, I think that I, I started embracing more, you know, my culture and, and who I am and started looking at it as like, as a cool thing. Um, when I started being more happy with my life with, you know, found my wife, I had my kids and, you know, I started like looking outside of what was consuming me all the time and what was, I was really passionate about in trying to be successful about. Right. But advertising was taking certain things away from me that I didn't care about. And when I started paying attention to those things, I became a better advertiser and a better person. I became better at my job and a better person. So I feel like, you know, the solution wasn't in, in the industry, um, you know, or a CD talking to me, which, you know, could have happened, but it was more of a personal journey thing um, that, that uh, got me to the place where I'm, where I'm at, you know? So, that's that's really fascinating, right? Because it is it is counterintuitive, right? Where you sort of let go of some of those expectations and and those things that go into your career, and focus more on the personal, which then can, comes around full circle and helps you be better at the professional side, right? It's almost like you detach and then you focus on on yourself, and then you become better probably at everything. Right. That's that's really interesting. I think so. I mean, I think that you, I don't think you ever stop caring. I, I don't think your work ethic changes. You know, I, I don't think your desire of doing great work ever goes away. Right. I think that, that your perspective opens a little bit. And, and, you know, the fact that that you can abandon your work for 30 minutes to go drop off your kid somewhere and and the fact that you can take a break to go for a run in your case or or go have a drink with your wife like really like puts things into perspective sometimes and you come back like a better creative and a, and a better man i i believe in that i i mean that's that's been my case at least but it was so hard to let go of advertising man i moved to every city i i spent 16 hours at the agency every day like this is all i cared about people would tell me that my ex-girlfriends would tell me like I'm second to your career. You don't care. And I was like, yeah. no, no, no. But I was like, yes, yes, yes. And so I was closed. I was too close. It was too small to be able to, to do bigger, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. That's fascinating. 
another and I got I got to recommend anybody that's listening to the podcast for them to to follow you because some you know you have so many uh great thoughts and and posts right uh another one you um you talk about uh this idea that as you were coming up right through all these different agencies where whether it was Crispin or uh, Fallon or whatever right you were at each step, you were kind of like learning their way, right? The Crispin way, the Fallon way, whatever, whatever, whatever way it was, right? And you were learning from it, and you were um, kind of adapting it, right? And and taking advantage of 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 all this great knowledge. And as you started to contemplate creating your own agency, you had this thought where you were like, oh, "I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna do the 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 Lastro way, right? I'm gonna make it so that." You can't copy it, and then at some point you had a change of heart with with that kind of thinking. Why, why was that? Yeah, so you know, I I was blessed, right? Um, because I I got to work with really amazing people at, at at these amazing places, and you know, I'm I'm not shy in saying I copied everybody, oh, everyone, my bosses, like you know. Oh, this guy cut sentences in, you know, with, with periods, like many, too many periods to 10 years later, I thought, but I, back then I was like doing it exactly the way they did it. I learned from the best, but then, you know, back then I, you know, I, I kept asking myself, but what, what am I? Cause I'm just doing their thing. Right. Again, the whole fitting in thing, like, when am I going to come up with my own thing? What can I do that? they're going to want to copy one day, right? And so that's ultimately what, what you know, what turned into, into Lovers Not Haters, the, the agency um, that I uh, co-founded because, um, you know, I, you know I, I learned to do good work, great work. That's my pedigree, you know, from all these people. But I saw that something was missing at those great places, Right. And, and, and that was being able to talk to this certain audiences, international, multicultural, Hispanic audiences um, in the right way. And so this whole thing, this whole initiative, uh, you know, of opening this agency was born out of that frustration, uh, the frustration of seeing that not multicultural agencies, not general market agencies, you're not doing it right, you're not doing it right. And so when we started this whole thing, uh, we came out of the gate calling people out a little bit and being like general market agencies, check boxes, Hispanic ones, create them. It needs to be done differently. And I know how to do it because I've gone through that. So, um, yeah, it's a reflection, uh, uh, consequence of personal experience uh, and professional experience. So I love that. What would you say then is is the, you know, lovers not haters or or the or the the lastra way like what what are the key sort of tenets to your approach yeah so i have to be honest with you jaime and and, and i gotta say first of all that maybe i came out too aggressive you were just touching on that right sometimes hey you gotta tone it down a little bit luckily, jaime luckily, luckily. yeah yeah, yeah. Luckily, right uh i was probably too passionate let's call it that you know, when, when I came out calling both, calling out both sides, I was right. I was right, but it probably wasn't the right approach in the right way, um, you know, to bring up the conversation. 
So the whole you're wrong, you're wrong, I can do it right approach has changed to what I really wanted to say and what I really want to tell the industry, right? Like you have to put it all together. We have to come together to do the right kind of work. And so lovers and haters now, it's about doing great work, the right work and leaving no audience behind. Because as a marketer, as a brand, the moment that you pick a general market agency, you're leaving the other side behind. You're not going to do it as well. But if you go with this multicultural agency, you're also not going to do something right. And so because of the way the industry is designed and budgets and all these things that we can get into, the general market agency doesn't want the multicultural one because they're going to take the 20, 30% of the, of the cake, right? And then the <laughs> other one is justifying that 30%, right? But if we actually care about doing things right, uh, I understand money, I understand business, we have to do it the right way, and that's together. So um, we're about that. We're doing. We're about doing work that that unites, not divides, and 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 that means a lot of things. So, what do you think? What? what no, I love that. So, what are your thoughts on? You know, it 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 sounds like you know if you're a big brand, it's going to be tricky to to get it right. Right? Are you a proponent of? many different agencies working together are you what, what is the best case you know what is the best case scenario you think for a brand to get yeah. it right right is it working with a general market agency and then bringing in you your your group to work on one side of it that typically as i've seen is problematic right because as you just mentioned right who's getting what budgets and all that where i where i think it could work is just the agencies being partners with each other, right? You're all serving the same client, but what do you, what have you seen works best or what do you think is the best formula? So it rarely works, you know, it's, it's nice to say like, Hey, let's partner up. Right. But then you have the Hispanic agency trying to prove they can do general market work. And then you have the general market agency being like, yeah, no, thank you. We got it over here. Just adapt this stuff and translate it and we're good, you know? Right. And so there's like a back and forth that never happens. I think that Brands and clients have to, um, you know, ask for it and demand it. So um, I think it depends on the brand. I, 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 it depends on the process. But I can give you examples of Taco Bell from I haven't worked on it. But from what I know, they have their, you know, their, you know, black owned agency. They have their, their Hispanic agency. They have their general market agency. And depending on what the need is, an agency steps forward at any given time and the other two support. And then, you know, the other one steps up and the other one steps back. And so that's the way it is. Ultimately, it's about putting the right people uh, on the job. And, and uh, that has to come from the client, I think, because, you know, I'm not going to let, I'm sometimes going to lie to make money. I'm not, but a lot of people will. And so like, oh, we can do Hispanic. We can do Hispanic work. Right. Yeah. Um, then I'll just hire two Mexican dudes and put them in the corner there for two weeks and then we got the job. Right. So, and vice versa with the Hispanic agency, you know, as yeah. well. So it has to come from the client. It has to come from brands until, you know, the industry it gets to that point where, where we are responsible enough and, and find a way that we don't lose money. Um, but we're still doing the right work. Right. So. 
Yeah, and you know, it's it is. I I, I can imagine that it that it that it gets that it can get frustrating, right? And I think that it probably is more kind of um, incumbent on on the on the brands to be like, okay, who's taking the lead on this, right? And that could be decided by any number of things. Like it's a, you know, it by the product, by just making it up here, by by the timing of the campaign that needs to go live, any number of things. But somebody's this has always been my thing, right? Like somebody's got to, somebody's got to be in charge, right? Yeah. And and in this particular case, it's going to be you know lovers not haters and the other folks support. And then I think everybody's got to got to you know, try to be as supportive as possible. There's a, you're never going to get rid of that competitiveness between agencies. But I think what's, if, if, if people really took the, the longer view, if the client is successful, there's going to be money for everybody at, you yeah. know, the, the pie is going to grow, right? Conversely, if, if everybody is infighting and then the work ends up not being that great, then what, what's the point? You're not going to get budgets later down the road anyway. But yeah, I've always been a, pro, a proponent of like, okay, who's leading this? Who's leading? Yeah. Somebody's got to lead, and then, you know, somebody's got to got to support. But it's hard. It's hard to do. Super hard, and that's why we're still, you know, in that situation. But that that'll change uh, one day, hopefully. Um, it ultimately is about what is the right thing to do. The problem is we all have, you know, different ideas of what the right thing to do is, um, because for some right. people, it's bring the bigger check is the right thing to do. And for others, it's like, well, we got to do our job responsibly and talk to audiences in the right way. So, you know, right. we're, we're still there. Yeah. But in your in your approach, I mean, from what we've discussed, I mean, you're open to working in any number of ways, right? You're you can be a partner. You can be a lead. Is that is that accurate? Or are there ways where you're like, you know what? We don't want to work in that particular way. Like, how, how do you typically approach We've gone through that as part of finding ourselves and our identity. We, you know, I, at the beginning, didn't want to be, I don't want to be white label. I don't, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to play into certain things that I feel like are, are not pushing things forward. But I also decided, you know, just like I mentioned, like, you know, you can't be calling people out all the time. You can't walk away from things and say, okay, then I'm not going to help you do it right if you don't if you don't do this or this, right? The way to fix it is it, it's compromising sometimes. Not compromising your values, not compromising your integrity or the way that you do things, but we have to understand that it's a process and it's a transition. Um, and so I, I accept to work you know, in certain ways. We can collaborate with agencies and, and help them do what they cannot do and let them do what they do well. Uh, we do the same with brands and even I freelance when I have time because I love doing what I do. And if you call me with, I don't know, a soccer assignment, a, you know, a beer assignment or whatever, something that I think it's fun, I go and help you because I can bring the right way of doing things and speaking to these specific audiences into your agency. I, you're calling me because of that. So it's my way of contributing and, and helping, you know, making things better as well so it's definitely together that's the answer we we got to do it together that's great yeah. so um you know as, as we talked about right i mean in, a lot of what i try to focus on this show on is helping the next generation come up right but to yeah. your point right it's it's even for 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 people at you know my, my stage of my career right there's still a chance to 
there's still a chance to kind of bring your whole self, right? It, it, it's never it's never too late to do that. And it's that is that fair to say? Yeah, I mean, I would I would almost you know uh, answer you by asking you that the the same question, but yeah, the whole you know the less you try to fit in, the more you do the embrace yourself and you know love who you are because then you can bring it to you know to to your work. It's not for the for the new generation of creatives, right? It's I think it's for everybody. You know, forty year olds, fifty year olds on LinkedIn, right? We're still sometimes looking, you know, to to find out. Um, who we are. And I think that when, once you embrace yourself, you know, your work changes and you bring an opinion rather than just coming in, in a very proactive or, or reactive, I'm sorry, in a very reactive way and trying to give them what, what you think they expect versus like, look, I'm a dude with an opinion. They're very comfortable with, we you know, with who I am and I understand your business problem, so I'm gonna. But I'm gonna give you my POV on this. This POV. is what I believe, in, and it's right. true. Yeah. So, right. um, I um, I I watched a movie recently. Uh, please watch it if if you get a chance. If you haven't, but it's called uh, A Mile A Million Miles Away. Uh, yeah. It's about uh, Michael Pena is, uh, is the actor on it. I I actually shot a Bud Light commercial with him. Um, uh, widen, um, and it's about Jose Hernandez, who is this uh, guy that becomes he he comes from a family of immigrants. And, you know, they pick up lettuce or vegetables, you know, in the field, and he becomes a NASA engineer. Uh, and you know, he he enters, you know, the, his first day of of work, and um, he starts eating sandwiches when his favorite food is enchiladas. And the mom is like, hey, you wanna, do, you, do you want me to make you enchiladas to take to work? And the dude's like, no, I'll just grab a sandwich. Yeah. And so you see him, you know, next to like everybody else. So the, you know, white engineers having his, his sandwich, um, they actually hand him the keys to the facility the first day because they think he's the janitor. Um, but... You know, he's slowly as success comes, you know, professionally starts embracing more of who he is. Right. And he has to go back to his roots and, and kind of embrace where he comes from to to kind of like. Yeah, finally, you know, land in a place where he's happy with who he is. Right. And it ends up being about resilience because he he uh, he applies 12 years in a row to get into the space program. So you can like train, a, you know, as an astronaut and go to space. He right. makes it in the 12th year, right? And where did that come from? From his parents, right? And so, you know, it, it's about that. It's like you finally get into a place where you know your brand, you know who you are, and you know the things that make you you and make you strong. So um, I had to mention that because I, you know, I think it's it's very funny and I, was, I relate it to do that a lot i think it's bring your enchiladas to work man like you know um <laughs> yeah this is basically that and you know what's funny is when you really think about it right the 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 flip side is that the other people are likely thinking like man i want to i want those fucking enchiladas <laughs> right but in your own mind you're like uh, this yeah. thing I'm going to bring, it looks, it doesn't look like they're what they're eating. They're not. And then, you know, if you really uh, think about it, they're probably, you know, thinking, man, I, I'd rather have that, that lunch over there. <laughs> that looks more flavorful. 
that's that's a really cool thing uh, that you just said because it's the two perspectives are there. You can be uh, you can have a complex about it, which I did at some yeah. point, or you can like be you know proud about it and then like use it as a way of teaching others, right? Which is actually what's happening with like Latin culture right now. What happened with, with black culture in the 80s and the 90s, right? Um, or hip hop influencing the mainstream and all that stuff. It started to happen, you know, a few years back with Hispanic culture. And so, you know, we're eating guacamole during Super Bowl and, and you know who's leading the music industry and cuisine oh and God. you know who's stars, right? So we have to look at it and by the way, I don't think the new generation, you know, has this complex that we had. But I was about to ask uh, you, yeah. Um, no, go, go ahead. For go it, ahead. Um, no, finish, no, finish yeah, your thought. I, mean, I was going to ask you about we, that. We had this complex. And, you know, I, I, didn't wanna, I don't want to bring this up because whatever. But today, you know, where I'm at and where the new generation is at, it's like we're influencing the mainstream. You know, we are the mainstream. So we're, it's about teaching people. And people want to learn more about us. And so we are proud to, to teach them and introduce them to mezcal with Jamaica, you know, the, the baddest drink with tajin on the rim and, you know, a, a new song and a new everything, right? And that's a different place to be. That's a good place to be, right? You don't have to go through the struggle. But do you think, okay, and that was that was going to be my question, right, is, is you know, is this conversation wasted on me and you and people that are closer to our generation or do you really think that it's not no longer an an issue or it's probably maybe it's maybe it's less right but yeah it is less Jaime but I think it's still about embracing who you are because you know you have to see where you come from and everything that you are as a cool thing I don't know if I did it for myself or I did it for the industry or both but I actually registered the term uh, Hispanic uh, legally. It's a, it's a registered mark. And I Hispanic is, you know, when Latin culture influences pop culture, right? And it was a way for me, because before then, if I would get a Hispanic brief, I would be like, man, now here we go. Abuelitas, piñatas, families together at the dentist uh, and everywhere they go. And, you know, all those things that, that you and I know about. Um, but instead, hip Hispanic is like, I'm cool. And the music I listen to is cool. And what I drink, wear, and watch is freaking cool. And I'm going to bring you into, into my party and my culture because this is the, the cool culture. And that puts right. you in a different place as a creative and as a person, right? Because it's like you're proud of it and, and you feel like you're bringing something and everyone wants some of it. Yeah. Versus the other, you know. Yeah, I'd be real interested, you know, to be a fly on the wall, right? When as as these younger generation of Hispanic kids or anybody from a different culture is interviewing, yeah. right? Is that is that really the case? I mean, I I hope it is. Um, yeah. You still get. I mean, I think just like culturally, right? You're still. Uh, I, I remember this happened a few months ago, right? Where I think I think Bad Bunny was on, on. Um, some award show or something. And when they got to his part, it said like other language singing another language or something like that. And there was a bunch of blowback about that. Right. So even though you make, you make, you know, progress, right. There's still like those little, 
those little things that the people that are controlling the broadcast still aren't still haven't gotten the memo yet right that the, that it would have been important for somebody to fix that so well I, I do think there's probably been a lot of progress i imagine there's still you know there's still work to be done i think right totally i mean we we have long ways to go and we can get mad about it right and we can come back and and you know get mad at people and and oh you don't know and you're not you're being culturally insensitive and all this stuff or we can like do it with love and kind of like teach and and you know and help them you know understand a little bit more you know when it's when it has an intention behind it and when you know sure. when it's like good ignorance all good ignorance is that they just don't know right um so but yeah there there's plenty plenty of work uh I, I, to do there's you know plenty of a transition that is yet to happen but i i believe uh i believe that it that it that it is happening and and when, I, when we talk about the vision for 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 my agency for lovers not haters i tell people like in a few years we're gonna not talk about inclusion and we're not going to talk about the right approach like it's in our website, right? Um, because there's not going to be a need to uh, anymore. And it might kind of be like too much of a dream or super positive, but I, I believe it's going to happen. Otherwise, why do I do what I'm doing, right? I got to fix it day by day. And, you know, I got to believe that it's going to, that something's going to come out of it, uh, out of what we're doing. So, yeah, we'll stop talking about all that stuff one day. Well, so... If you had to make a if you had to make a bet, are we talking ten years? Are we talking twenty years? What what is what is your best guess? Because I mean the you know the population is is changing so rapidly, right? That I I can't remember what the exact statistic, but it's it's something crazy that like you know a certain crazy percentage of of kids are are mixed race or multicultural, yeah. right? So at one at one point it's just going to become you know, very, you know, very blended. So, but in your mind, what do you think? I mean, I got to throw, I feel like I got to throw out a number just for fun, but, you know, and, and I'm tempted to hear okay. and I'm not going to be here. <laughs> I'm in it. What? what no, no, I'm just, I'm going to be here in 50 years, most likely. So maybe I can just throw out 50. No, man, I, I think it'll be before. I, I don't know. Let's go with 15 because of what you were saying. I think the new generation is like, they're not making it about Hispanic or not, right? It's a big part of who they are, a big part of their identity, but it's not, you know, the things that we complain about, they, they're not complaining about. They're, they're just, they've already like embraced Hispanic as part of them, but not everything that they are, right? So there, there's so many things. And yeah, I'll bring it out when I need to. Right. Or when I want to, to show you something cool because it's part of who I am. But there's so many other things. Right. Which is what we fought for and what we wanted to be. And, and it goes back to the post that I put like, you know, I do Ironmans. Hire me to do a, a, an Ironman campaign. Don't just call me to to, you know, to sell, you know, Modelo to whatever. Right. right. So um, I think it'll it'll get there pretty soon because they're not having the same conversations that we've been having for a while. Right. They're just naturally doing it. Right. So. Yeah. So. OK, so trying to trying to wrap this all up. Sure. What do you think, you know, if you if you had to obviously we've already imparted, I've, I've been I've been clicking my little mark clip 
uh, feature here, right? Because there's a lot of great, great content here, a lot of great sound bites. You know, we talked about bringing your whole self, about, you know, uh, the more you are yourself, you know, the, the, the more you'll fit in. But what any final kind of advice to the folks listening to this program? Again, a lot of them are up and coming uh, creatives looking to become creative directors or move up in their career. Any kind of yep. final words of advice? It doesn't have to be multicultural based, you know, just life advice, things that you've that you've experienced, you know, ways of looking at the world that you have found helpful, et cetera. Yeah, I think I think, you know, enjoy the journey. Uh embrace it. You're going to go to a lot of places and, you know, sometimes going to try to, you know, fit in and, and, and do things the way they do it there. And it's fine. That's cool. You're learning, right? You're going to steal knowledge from there and then you're going to take it somewhere else. You know, you're going to take it with you and then learn something else somewhere else. And then eventually one day you're going to put it all together and that's you, right? That's how we find our voice in advertising. That's how we find our identity in life. So, you know, it, this is not about Roberto Lastra coming today and saying, you know, be you, embrace who you are. This is more about what comes before that. In each time that you move to Boulder, to, to Minneapolis, to anywhere you go in life and every destination, you have to enjoy as part of um, your journey in finding that voice and that identity. So, so it's not just be you. It's about, you know, it's what, you know, the whole path on your way there, just enjoy it, you know? And, you know, that, that, that's very true because I think, you know, especially myself speaking for myself, right. It's you're so caught up in the moment and you're so caught up in like trying to think about what's next that, that you forget how good you may have it at the moment. Right. Like, I was talking, and I can't remember who I was talking to. Maybe it was Jordan Brady, my 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 buddy who's been on the show, and he's a, a commercial film director. But we we were breaking down my career, right? And we were talking about a time where uh, I worked for Time Warner here in in L.A. And it was the you know it was it was cable, it, and my job was to write TV commercials for small businesses and regional businesses, and and me and me and my buddy Drew would, and maybe if we were lucky, had a couple other crew members. Sometimes it's just me and him, right? And we were going out and we were shooting these, well, I was writing these spots and we were going out and shooting them and I was directing them. And, you know, sometimes we bring in some talent and we were trying to do like national level work on a shoestring budget, right? And at the time I was like, man, this sucks. I want to work for, I want to go and work for the big clients, right? With big budgets and all that. And he reminded me and he was like, that sounds awesome did you realize like how good you had it, that you were fully in control and you could, you know, there wasn't 10 layers of people looking at your script and you were working directly with the client and you were going out and you were making stuff on a weekly basis. Do you, do you realize like how cool that is? And when you're, when you're in it, you don't realize that, right? You're just like, okay, shit, I've been here, whatever. Like what's next? And you forget, you know, how do you, yes. you know, I guess so if, if people are listening, it's like, just take a moment to look around and go like, Okay, I'm getting, you know, you're junior, right? But it's like, wow, I'm getting to sit in on this meeting probably, you know, pretty early early in my career as opposed to some other. I don't know, whatever it is, look around because you're probably getting some pretty cool opportunities that you may not be uh, realizing. 
I think that's a great thing. I think that's great advice. And, and uh, I'm supposed to give the advice here, but I, I love what you just said. For, for young guys, you know, sometimes we're looking to the next thing, right? And we forget to pay attention to what we're getting right now and how much we are acquiring in knowledge and experience, right? So it's about, again, we go back to enjoying where you're at because that's going to be a, a big part um, a component, right, in, in, in whatever it is that you're going to put together later. So, you know, I always talk about all the places where I was and all the experiences, you know, became a salad, right? Uh, I can tell you a great thing about each of the agencies where I was, and I can tell you a thing that I didn't like. And, you know, that was discarded, right? And I, you know, my, my philosophy or my way of doing things, it's a combination of all the things that I loved about each of those places and that I learned from, from those people that work there. And the bad things, you know, maybe some of those agencies didn't treat people right. And so I said, we're going to be lovers, not haters. It's freaking hard right. to stay on the side of the name, but at least we try to commit to it. So, so yeah, man, it's, uh, everything's learning. Everything, uh, you know, uh, is something that you take, right? Um, to the place where you're going. And, uh, you know, I love what you said about uh, enjoy the place where you're at and the moment that you're living. Yeah. Well, I, I'm super uh, grateful that you and I connected and that we are, you know, are, are, are forming a friendship here. And I look forward to keeping in touch with you. I feel like we could probably talk for another uh, two hours. Uh, I'd love to, you know, maybe another time talk about just more of more of your story and you know talk about what your your big plans are but um you know i obviously wish you continued success with your agency i encourage people to to follow you on linkedin because you post a lot of great content a lot of inspirational content and um yeah i'm just super grateful that we connected thank you so much next time hopefully i get to ask questions because i'm very i don't like podcasts because i have to answer questions but i i have a lot of you know, I have a lot of questions myself and, you know, you have a <laughs> interesting, you know, background as well. And, and uh, I, I wish I, you know, I could have asked more questions, but, uh, you know, we'll, we'll continue having more conversations. And I really Absolutely. appreciate you uh, having me here. Jaime. No, thank you, man. I appreciate it. And we'll have to drink some drink some tecates at some point. Uh, but oh, sure. uh, yeah, I appreciate I appreciate it. And I uh, wish you continued success and we'll talk to you soon. Thank you, sir. By the book? You, no, you're not gonna mention the book. <laughs> My book? I yes. gotta send you. I gotta send you a copy. I wanna. I wanna get you and see what you think, right? Because I don't want to presume that you'll like it. But I'm gonna send you. I'll send you. Yeah. I'll send you a copy. It's right yes, here. It's right here. And you'll awesome. be. You'll definitely be in the next version because I have quotes, great quotes, and great uh, nuggets here from the people that have been on the show. So I'm. I'm looking to hopefully do version. Uh, to at some point either later this year or, or next year. But yeah, man, thank you. And let's keep in touch and uh, salute. Yeah, you can, you can come to me and, and thank you because of what you're doing for, for young creatives. Uh, it's a very noble, uh, you know, mission, you know, undertaking that, that, that you're, that you're uh, being, you know, taking a part in. So I, I really appreciate thank it. You. That means a lot to me. Okay. Uh, thank you. Roberto. Okay. We'll talk soon. Take care. And there you have it, folks, another episode of Confessions of a Creative Director in the Books. Thanks to my very special guest and new friend, Roberto Lastra. Thank you for sharing that very 
important lesson with us. The less you try to fit in, the more you do. And about bringing your whole self to work. I think it's a message a lot of us need to hear. So thank you for sharing that with us. Hey, everybody, if you want to become a supporter of this fine program, visit my Patreon page. That's patreon.com backslash confessions of a creative director and become a supporter today. I'm going to upload some uh, additional content from the show, maybe a few surprises, and you'll help ensure that we continue to do more episodes of this podcast with amazing creative directors from all over the world. All right, that's going to do it for today. Until next time, peace, love, and creativity. See ya.